How is everyone doing today? Did you enjoy your day off? Did you go take a hike? I told you I'll take a hike. I hope you guys uh, stayed away from ledges and sharp objects. I hope we've all calmed down. And uh, we're going to talk about some stuff today that you don't have to get worked up about because we're talking about uh, prospects, draft prospects, and we're answering your questions as well. The reason I like talking about prospects is because they have, well, some of them have failed, but uh, it's bad stuff that hasn't happened yet. They haven't failed really at the major league level. There's still promise. There's still hope. Um, things that are unfinished are, are you know more fun to dream about and talk about. So it's a much happier subject. Jeff, are you feeling in a better mood today? Uh, no. <laughs> but no. Okay. hey, you know it's uh it's tomorrow's always it was it was a it's a beautiful day. I just unfortunately didn't really get to go outside. So uh, yes. I uh yeah it's it was fine. Uh, I did I I missed having not having baseball. I missed it. Even when it's bad, I miss Guardians baseball. I still watch baseball of the minor league variety, and we're going to talk about some of that today because when the future, like I said, the future is unknown and there's so much potential. It's always happy when there's potential because nothing bad has happened yet. So we're going to talk about some of that today on Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked on Guardians. I am Jeff Ellis, one of your hosts over there is Justin Latta. Today's show is Brought to you by our good friends at Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the pro- code Locked On for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Uh, you know we had a lot of fun things uh, to talk about. I just got thrown off because uh, you know I, I, sorry, someone unblocked me. I hadn't expected uh, right before the show there, but uh, yeah, I, I like I said, I missed not having a game. Like I literally sat there and was like, oh, even when there's bad baseball, I'd rather have baseball. Uh, we do have some fun talk, though, about the games this weekend. Uh, I think, you know, you have a better hold on it. So uh, why don't you you handle our fun bit of information? Yeah. Fun fact on Sunday, Tanner Bybee versus Patrick Sandoval. And you can listen to this game on Sirius XM at 1135 on Sunday because the Guardians are playing on Peacock. But on Sirius XM, you can listen to it as well. At 11.35, Tanner Bay versus Patrick Sandoval. High school teammates. That should be a lot of fun. Too bad the game's not in California, but I hear it is going to be a big de- deal back in uh, that part of the state. So that should be a lot of fun. But, if, you know, it might not be fun for the Guardians offense because Patrick's a lefty and Patrick's pitched fairly well this year. Velocity, though. Velocity lefties. The one yeah, thing they we'll seem see. to do okay against. We're not going to be <laughs> negative today, Jeff. The, fu- the future is unwritten, so it's still it's it still has a – a chance of being good. So we're going to be positive today. Well, I got to say, there are some things I'm not going to be positive about, but we'll see. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about, though. So this is how it's going to go. It's around the farm Friday, college baseball slash MLB draft segment of the week. And then we've got all mailbag questions. We're going to try to answer as many mailbag questions as we can on the audio portion. And then um, if we don't get to them on the audio portion, we are forced to be cut off at a half hour. Uh, go over to YouTube and watch the rest because there are so many that we cannot fit this all in a half hour. So jam pack show. Are you ready? Go. Let's dig in. All right. We'll stay and watch. Don't go. But yeah, stay and watch. Don't go anywhere. Please don't go. Don't leave us. 
Uh, Gavin Williams was awesome Wednesday. We referenced this on Thursday's show if you were listening, if you're an everyday or uh, easily, I don't know, I don't want to say the best start of his minor league career, but it was one of the best. I mean, he was great. Struck out 10 in five and two thirds innings, had two walks, both ironically to Will Benson, who uh, I, I saw this from a buddy who covers the Reds. Um, I think you know who he is too, Jeff. I'm trying to think of his name off the top of my head. I think you know the guy, but. Um, <clears throat> Will Benson was like 10 for his last 45, but he had 22 walks. And I was like, oh, yeah. so Will Benson's yeah. being Will Benson. So he's hitting under 200, but in OPS, like 760 in AAA. Yeah. He's... Yeah. So yeah, two walks for Will Benson. And then he did give up a home run. Williams did to Matt, uh, Matt McLean on a 99 on hour fastball that McLean drove over the right field wall. But get Williams came back the next batter and he faced Christian Encarnacion Strand, who's been a great prospect this year for the Reds. Uh, 100, 101, 101 on three pitches. Good morning, good afternoon, good night. Uh, Gavin was mad, so don't make well, make Gavin angry because he'll pitch well. Uh, but he his fastball averaged 98 in that start. He touched 101 a couple of times. 17 swings and misses with the fastball. The uh, the Louisville Bats, the Reds AAA club, 36 swings against that fastball. 17 times they missed. He threw it for a strike seven times. That is a 41 percent called or swing strike rate if you're not familiar with that stat it, it basically uh just adds the number of whiffs and number of called strikes on a pitch divides it by the amount of pitches thrown and you get 41 percent there and i think 30 to 40 percent is generally pretty freaking good for one pitch so uh gavin williams was great we're going to talk about him a little bit more because we have people had some questions about him later in the podcast but uh fantastic start by him maybe his best final league start ever. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's got multiple plus pitches. He's got, uh, you know, the velocity. It's just hopefully, you know, he can be the one who uh, the health does not catch up with. And I will say, I don't know if he had to get used to baseball. So his first start, I don't know. We think we talked about it. The spin rate as fastball was kind of underwhelming. Uh, spin rate as fastball in this start was 22, 42 which I think is a little bit up from what it was the first start. So, you know, could have been getting used to the baseball as well. Um, I don't know what the vertical carry on his fastball was. They don't have that on this one available to me. I can, I could look at it, but uh, I'm not going to do it this moment. A guy who had a really great start last time out, Joey Cantillo, we talked about last week, 13 strikeouts in five innings. This is kind of where things are at with Joey Cantillo. Uh, you know, this is why he's still in double A, and, and I don't think you're going to see him this year. His next start, Three and a third, four walks, four strikeouts, three runs, a home run, a wild pitch, a hit batter. So control still wanes game to game. Just could not locate his fastball. Had a couple of secondaries just not fall for him either. So it's still a lot of inconsistencies with him. I mean, he's walked at least two batters in every start. So there's still things to to work on there. I don't think you'll see him. I, I, I don't think you'll see him this year. I think it would have to go very perfectly if he gets one of those like late season bullpen call-ups. I think you'd have to really uh, take off. I still think there's a chance. I'm just going to say, I still think because they have limited spots on the roster and he is at least already there. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I still think they really, I mean, it depends on what his innings limit is at this point. That could be September and who knows if he'll even be still pitching by then. Um, one of the games I watched on Thursday night was Doug Nikhazy and Jack Leftwich. Still holding out hope for Doug Nikhazy. Uh, like Joey Cantillo, things kind of move in and out for Doug Nikhazy. He struck out four, walked three in four innings through 60 pitches. 
the stuff is good for Nikhazy. I'll be honest. I think there's, he's got three pitches. The slider has improved. The curveball is obviously still fantastic. The fastball, he was getting up to 94, so that was good. And it gets swings and misses in the zone because of his angle and um, the extension and all that stuff. And it looked really good. It got swings and misses in the zone. The curveball was good. Uh, the three walks, you know, it, it's just like batter to batter. It goes with him like one inning. He struck out two in a row. And the next next inning, he walked two batters like it just comes and goes with him. So still working on consistency with him. But I still am holding out hope. I, I have long been a, a Doug crazy stand. And uh, I'm really hoping at some point we are watching him pitch high leverage innings for the Guardians. Um, maybe it's a relief role, but I'm still holding out hope that there is a role for him in the future. Jack Leftwich came in behind him in the tandem as they've been doing all year. Leftwich was fantastic. I thought he did give up a home run, uh, a couple deep pitch counts, but fastball was up to 95. He was throwing 93, 94. His slider can be very ungodly at times, which is fun. Uh, Changeup's a little bit firm. It was like 88, and um, there's really not a whole lot of depth to it. It's got a little bit of fade, but it's it's still a little bit more like a split change, I would say. So it's it's got some work, but the fastball slider, a good combination for him, and I, I hold out hope for Jack starting, but. I still think Jack would be a terrific reliever. Yeah, I you know I was never much of a Nick Casey guy. I just he felt like a maxed maxed out guy. It was it which is made perfect sense in the second round where this team seems to uh, always grab guys who end up not quite living up to the second round value. Uh, looking there's still at, potential there. There's still potential, yeah. But the second round is definitely like the bugaboo round for this team. Yeah, they cannot seem to get the second round <laughs> right ever. Uh, we, you know, it's like you, you do have Joey Bell, AKA Albert Bell. He was drafted as Joey. That's why I went with that there. Uh, and I, I read about his today, today in, uh, Guardians history is the day he threw a baseball to fan side note. Uh, nice. I didn't plan to talk about that, but I was looking at the history site and then, uh, yesterday I was looking at the history site and then, uh, Jason Kipnis, I thought for a chance that Kipnis might approach Bell's second round value, but yeah, it's been a, 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 a arguably, Outside of like the tenth, it might be their worst round in the top ten rounds. Is the second. So, uh, Ethan Hankins came back on Saturday last week. We talked about that. I didn't get to see him, but he was ninety two, ninety six. I heard uh, all over the place control wise, which you know pretty much as we expected, he was going to be rusty and uh, yeah. didn't look good at times. But takes a year throwing, to get that gonna control take, back. It, it's going to take some time, I think, with him. But hey, ninety two, ninety six after a couple of years off like that, that's good to see. It's going to be. It's going to be. Uh, Do you think they while. protect him at the end of the year if he is down in low A and throwing like this? I, I still think it's a um, no, but it depends on how he looks this year. I mean, if he's throwing 92, 96 all year, possibly, but he's still so far away. I just can't yeah. see him sticking. So I think it's a very big risk to do that because I just don't see how he sticks. Like he's missed a couple of years of injuries anyway. You can't really feign injury anymore with him and play games. Yeah. So. Uh, George Valera came back on Thursday night as well. He had a hit and a walk and a strikeout. The hit was a, a hard line drive back up the middle off Brandon Williamson, but it actually hit Williamson. Uh, I think it would have gone to center field had it not hit him, but that was the base hit for Valera. He played center. I'm not going to spend too much time on Valera because um, we have some questions about him as well. So we'll discuss that in the later part of the show in the mailbag. Got a couple more guys here before we move on to the college baseball segment of the week. Guy Lipscomb. Now has 20 steals at low A. It has been not even a month. It's been a month of baseball, five weeks of baseball. Uh, he went three for five with two RBI to, on Thursday with two more steals. He's got 20. It's insane. Um, again, you have to be super careful about scouting stat line. I mean, actually, don't, don't even say super careful. Don't scout scout stat lines at low A 
Um, it's bad. The, the level's bad. Pitchers aren't getting catchers a chance to throw guys out. Control's bad. It's bad. Uh, but, you know, good for Guy Lipscomb and not really a surprise, truthfully. Yeah. He's probably one of the five best guys in the system. Yeah. Magnus Ellerts, uh, I will scout the stat line a little bit here, but he is pitching very fantastic at low A. Uh, very interested to see what ends up going on with him. I'd like to see him get to high A so I can get a look at him in person, but 37% strikeout rate in 12 innings, a 6.5% walk rate. Kate Smith pitched for Akron the night. He was 93, 94. I think he hit 95 a couple times. Slider was just okay. Um, control was was kind of all, all over the place, unfortunately, but um, he's only got a, a two-fifth this year and a 9.3 walk rate, so that's pretty good for him. I still think there's a relief roll ahead for him at some point. I don't know if it's this year, but uh, he will have to be protected. Uh, we'll see if some team wants to take a chance on him. Michael Kelly, or not Michael Kelly, Kevin Kelly, I should say, mm-hmm. and eventually Nick Enright are both going to have good years, I think. So, you know, never know with these relievers. And then really quickly, John Kenson, well, some people ask about him. He played third base tonight. Go to my Twitter if you haven't. Um, he played, he made a play. He didn't make a play at third base, but the, the Louisville official score didn't call it an error. He called it a hit. This is why you should not believe ever think you can judge minorly or a fielder, a fielder is how good a fielder is in the minors based on fielding percentage, because this ball that Noel failed to field was an error. It should have been an error and he should not be a third baseman, but he's playing third base because uh, Valera is down there and because uh, Oscar's back and triple a, and they're getting him at bats at third base, but John Kenson is not a third baseman. I know he hit 116 mile an hour grounder, but guess what? It was a double play. So there's your John Kenson Noel update, Jeff. I didn't ask for it, but it's fine. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, it's he's. I listen. He, he is what he is. I, I I don't have. I know he's part of team injury, but uh, my my expectations are are pretty low there. They should be. All right, we got the MLB draft segment of the week coming up. Plus your mailbag questions in segment three, and as we said, we'll try to answer them all in the audio portion. But at a half hour, we have to go. Uh, so go over to YouTube for whatever we miss. I'm going to talk about so rare. I talked about him yesterday. And uh, again, I just want to, it's the word so, and then the word rare, just to lay it out there, make it easy on everyone. And I like it because I just find it fun. It's low key fantasy. We're talking about it in our group chat. And I learned today, let me give you some, uh, some knowledge here. If you're trying so rare out that again, it's important to build up to have two teams, but if you train guys, then they're worth instead of like five points of value, which is kind of like the average, it's a 5.5. And then, you know, the system is like if you unlock like the rarer cards, they can be worth more. So there is that component and you want to. But I have, like I said, I'm just having fun playing the game, going in there, uh, learning how it works, those scarcity cards. But you can which you can unlock or game tickets, merchandise, signed jerseys, VIP experiences. uh, Or you can just be like me and just play low key and have fun getting your unlocks and seeing how you do every week. So uh, head to so rare dot com slash locked on that's spelled s-o-r-a-r-e dot com to draft your team of free player cards set up your lineup and start competing today to win epic rewards again that's so rare.com slash locked on to start playing today and don't forget on friday at 7 10 first pitch for the guardians and the angels check out sirius xm that is i believe logan allen versus tyler anderson so another soft tossing lefty and logan allen so uh hopefully Better things to come when you're checking out the game on Sirius XM on your Friday evening. Should be good weather in Cleveland, I think. All right. 
Jeff, are you ready to roll? We've got uh, I am. I'll, lots uh, to talk about. I got all these banners. We're not going to get through all my banners uh, that I've thrown together of, of players, but I thought uh, taking some advice from our chat, putting some colleges and names here. So I, I kind of ruined it a little bit with this with Nick LaRusso from Maryland. But if I asked you who leads Maryland in home runs, uh, batting average on base percentage or not, I'm sorry, not on base percentage an average um, and uh, home runs, it, you would probably guess Matt Shaw. It's not, it's, it's Nick LaRusso now. Uh, both of them have been fantastic players. Shaw does lead in um, slugging by four percentage points and on base by 36. Uh, he's been the better player, but uh, LaRusso actually hasn't beaten total bases. And he is a senior sign to look at, um, a player who has been super effective, a Villanova to Maryland guy. Uh, this is his fifth year in college baseball. He's played an absolute ton of games, nearly 200. He'll hit over 200 games by the time his career is done. Uh, even did a little bit of pitching early on. And he's just a statistical performer who had some very limited success on the Cape. He didn't get a lot of op <coughs> opportunities, but he was there. Uh, but if you're looking for a senior sign who's highly productive, and if we, you know, Justin and I both agree, Matt Shaw, if he's on the board, is probably a guardian. Um, and again, people get upset about that because he's an infield. He's not. He's probably an outfielder um, or a second baseman, and he has plus power so just calm down you want plus power that's that's Matt Shaw but if you're paying attention to Maryland if you're going there and scouting them a lot because you do like Matt Shaw then you might also be thinking this Nick LaRusso is at least interesting because he's performing so well and he could be a senior sign candidate uh moving down the list of guys that intrigue me I'm going to jump to Kemp Alderon. Actually, that's not his name. That's what that, that's what Justin, <laughs> Justin read it as at first. He's like, oh, so uh, Ken Balderman. <laughs> I don't is, like him anymore. Not not as big of a fan. He he, Ole Miss, but while he's an Ole Miss guy, he is very similar to Hunter Renfro, who was Mississippi State. Uh, both were catchers and pitchers, and you know, good athletes for their size. Uh, I'm trying to remember if if Ren Renfro was young for his class. He he might have been, but Alderman isn't going to turn 21 until August, end of August at that. So he is a young junior. What has he done this year? Well, he's he's got 19 home runs, not as many as the Russo and Shaw, but he's got a uh, 443 on base, 733 slugging, a walking 11% of the time, and his strikeout is 17, which is nice because, again, big power. But the, the strikeouts aren't as high. Now, the, the book on him is there is swing and miss there. But he's limiting it. He's gotten better at that this year. And he's a fairly athletic guy. But again, if you want a big guy with some power and some athleticism, Alderman is a guy who I think is going to probably be maybe in that second round range. We just talked about how bad the Guardians are in the second round. But he's an interesting player. He's not quite like the, the Renfro level, but that's going to be the comps in most places. But I think he stands out for that. Um, some reports of the Guardians looked at Decade Kuehler from Campbell a few times. Uh, Campbell turned into a pitching factory over there in the Big South. He He's he's cut back on his walks. The control and the command is, are concerns. Um, he's striking out 12 per nine, which is solid. But again, it's in the Big South. It's not. Um, I'd be curious what Thomas Harrington, I should pull him up. His teammate did a year ago in a similar situation. I like uh, Thomas Harrington last year. I like Harrington as well, but he was, he was a draft eligible sophomore. Harrington was 10.78 strikes per nine uh, to a 175 walk per nine. So better control numbers. Uh, 
we, you know, it, I'm not sure if it says anything in particular that they're like going to look to get him. Uh, he's, I think he's more of a second rounder. Nobody is really stepping up in this pitching glass, but we know that they've at least uh, been spotted in and around that area. Uh, should we, let's have some fun. Let, let's dive into a lesser known name. So Liam Sullivan uh, was really good on the Cape. He is a Georgia pitcher. They have drafted from Georgia. Uh, he has control issues, so not your typical Guardians pitcher. Uh, I think he was tied for second in the Cape in strikeouts last year, all coming as a uh, reliever. Was it? No, this is interesting. So the data I have is contradictory on him because um, he also had some starts. So he has incomplete data, it looks like. Um, over Five at- starts, eight games overall. His data is uh, contradictory between Baseball Cube and uh, and uh, Baseball Reference. Just hmm. for fun. But I think the uh, the Baseball Reference data is the correct one. So he had starts. He worked out of the pen. He was number two in strikeouts in the Cape, which you know they value. They have drafted guys who have excelled in the Cape but had bad junior years. Uh, not that it's necessarily a bad junior year for him, but he is walking more guys than we typically see with a guy that the Guardians like to target. Uh, the strikeouts per nine are over 10. That's one of those things we look at. And the other reason that he just stands out as maybe a day three guy to me is there's a few home run rate has always been over one. We know they prefer guys who put it in the air. Like that's actually not a negative for the guardians. So the ball is in the air. Uh, he's six, six, two thirty. He, he's got a Parker Messick build. Uh, and they weren't scared off by a lefty who could had some success last year who, you know, needs to, to put in a little time. Uh, and then if you're also looking at him as low to mid nineties, you're like, okay, so just like Mezik a year ago, if we can get this guy to commit, we can get some more muscle mass. There is more velocity in there. Could also maybe lead to better control because you're going to have a little, you know, better athleticism. Uh, there's things to look at in that. And he is still 20 years of age. He's not going to be 21 until next week. So he is also young for the class. So you're looking at potential growth ceiling there. You're looking at a program that's not going to pitcher development that they have targeted in the past. And you're looking at some other factors into why there could be more ceiling and growth there, as well as strong SEC performance. Again, he's more of a day three guy. <laughs> Everyone's favorite coughing on the mic. But uh, I mean, I could see him as an 11th round target very specifically for those reasons. So I still got like five other guys that I'm not going to get to right now. Uh, but I just want to throw one last weird name here. Uh, and I don't mean weird name in the way of like, it is a hard to pronounce name, but it's more that like, cause he's not someone you're going to hear people talk about. And that's Owen Diodati, who has barely played this year at Oregon, barely played, uh, again, was fantastic in the Cape a year ago. Uh, a three forty four batting 500 on base, five fifty seven slugging. That's an 80 plate appearances. So he had a nice big run there. He was a starter as a sophomore at Alabama he, for whatever reason, his junior year didn't get to play. Goes to Oregon, still doesn't get to play. Uh, he is a senior, but he is 21 years of age. Won't be 22 until August. He's a young senior, uh, plus power potential. Canadian kid was drafted out of high school by the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, and is another senior signing type. Where you're like, okay, so plus power potential, converted catcher, big arm in the outfield, plus power potential. Hasn't gotten opportunities. Has bounced through two schools. Looked really good on the Cape. Again, if you're looking for a senior sign, like, wouldn't you rather run the risk on the 6'3", 215-pound athletic 
uh, Canadian kid who just hasn't had a chance yet, who showed something. Like, it's weird that he can't get off Oregon's bench and was one of the best hitters in the Cape. Like, that's just odd. I, I was trying to find out if he's hurt. But there's a lot of reasons to think, like, there's a lot more ceiling here than in your typical senior sign. And again, he's still only 21 years of age. So that's a fun name to check out. But uh, I'm going to throw it to Justin for our next break. All right. We've got your mailbag questions here on the rest of the audio portion. And then, like I said, if we don't get to it on the audio portion, we will finish around the video portion. So we will let you know when you can head to YouTube to hear the rest of the mailbag. But we're going to get to most some of them in just a second. Well, I talked about the other night that I had to buy some Jonas Brothers tickets for my fiance. I'm going to that concert, by the way. I'm actually kind of looking forward to it, Loki. Uh, she's she's been to a lot of them, so she spent a lot of years uh, getting tickets and worrying about when they go on sale and uh, getting a good seat and finding out where the seat is going to be. But a lot of that stress can go away when you're using the Game Time app. You can browse through the Game Time app to look about uh, look at upcoming. Uh, Stuff in your area, they've got flash deals and last-minute seats. So if you didn't get those Jones Brothers tickets, uh, this concert's not until September. So you've got some time, actually. Uh, they do have an image view of the seats there, which I always find very helpful when you're looking for seats. Make sure you're not sitting behind a pole or in the nosebleeds. They have the lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection. Game time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time is tickets on or deals on tickets right up the day of the event. Exclusive flash deals for all sports, comedy, theater, and more. <coughs> and the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section in row for less, game time is going to credit you 110% of the difference. Snag tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use locked on MLB as your code to get $20 off your first purchase. Terms are going to apply, but again, Create an account, redeem the code locked on MLB to get $20 off your first purchase on the Game Time app. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. And make sure Friday night you are checking out Sirius XM for the Guardians and Angels series and all weekend long. Uh, 7 10 first pitch on Friday night and 11 35 on Sunday morning uh, on, on, over on Peacock, too. All right. Are you ready for the mailbag, Jeff? Always. Always. All right. Let's start out with our buddy, Zach Fino, MVP. Uh, this is, I don't know if this is a half-joking question, but we're going to talk about it because people have been tweeting about it tonight. How many plate appearances until we, ta- we take Aaron Bracho's resurgence serious? Okay. Aaron Bracho is about 60 million. Appear- yeah, I think, I, I don't got time for that. Um, he's about 66 plate appearances into the season. He is slugging he is walking he is not hitting his averages below is near 200 uh he has stopped switch hitting he came into the system as a switch hitter he is now a left-handed hitter only um i haven't looked at the splits yet but i'm gonna be honest with you i'm not taking the resurgence serious at all uh i as much as the walks and the slugging are great i'm sorry but a 200 batting average even as a three true outcome guy isn't gonna isn't gonna translate to the major league level i'm sorry believe in nolan jones who was even higher than that as an outcomes guy. And like for a long time, like that Akron park is a big park, but I feel like there's gotta be something in the wind there. Like that park seems to have guys hit career, ho- like high home run totals. I'd be, I need to find out the park factors. Cause it's a big park. It's got deep things. You think yeah, it's, like, it's, but, it's a hard park to hit home run in though. But I mean, it feels like it should be, but 
it's and always like, been I, a hard park to hit a home run there. But like, it feels like certain guys hit more home runs that like you Chang's breakout. Bobby Bradley had his high home run total. I believe there. like certain yeah, guys. Eric Hosted too. It too. Yeah. It's like, there's something weird there. I need to look at the park factors. Cause I feel like before we get excited, these hit five home runs. It's, we need to also just kind of look at, um, you know, the, what is occurring I mean, and like, maybe he's taking a, you know, maybe there's something that Akron park actually plays smaller than it is. Um, and again, I'm just going to go ahead and throw out the Wes Hodges effect, which is, I'm not going to take, you know, two yeah, months of data not, to change my, my report. No, 16, 17 games. Yeah. I'm not changing anything yet, but uh, ask me again in August. I don't know. Our buddy Chuck at, at the corner, uh, how fast until we realistically see George Valera in Cleveland? Well, he just had his first game. I, I will say he looked pretty good. I, I don't know about you, but I have long been a fan of Brandon Williamson, who is the now the Reds prospect, was a Mariners yeah. pitching prospect. Um, Brandon Williamson to me still looks good. I don't know how great he was tonight, but he still looks good just looking at him physically. And Valera took a lot of good pitches. I didn't. He didn't chase, which I was impressed with. I thought he still struggled with uh, stuff at the top of the zone. So that's an issue for him. I don't know. I mean, if he, let's see, it's the second week of May. I would say if he's playing really well in, in the month of May and Will Brennan or Gabriel Arias or whoever doesn't, you know, take advantage and right field and doesn't run with it, I could see June for Valera, but I think he'd have to play really well this month. And I think whoever's in right field for Cleveland would have to continue to sink. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, it, they're not going to rush him. And he is always beat up. And I th- I think it is probably June is the, the, the earliest. And there is a good chance, they, you know, I haven't looked at Oscar's performance down there, but it's like the Oscar might get the first chance if over Valera too. Um, I think if Valera plays well, he can get the chance over Oscar. But again, I think it also has to be whoever is in right field for Cleveland has to continue to flail too. So, and yeah, right. it's gotta be, you know, is because Valera is another lefty, right? So it's got to really be Brennan down and Valera up likely. We're not going to yeah. carry both. We've got, we've got a lot of uh, college or uh, draft questions. I'm going to save those for the video video portion because they require a lot more nuance and we're kind of running out of time. So let's take a couple of easy ones here before we jump off the audio portion. Carson, which Cleveland prospect were you all-time prospect were you uh, most wrong about? Jeff, who were you most wrong about as a prospect? I guess it, it depends on, like, when. Um, I really bought into the hype as a kid. In, uh, so Willie Martinez was the pitcher. Like, uh, he was him. coming up through the minors. I thought he was going to be someone through all the hype. Alex Ramirez was, like, the first prospect that really bowled me over. Like, I thought he was going to be a part of this team's outfield going forward. He did win an MVP, multiple MVPs. It was just in Japan. Um, uh, he's one of those guys nowadays would have probably come back and got a second chance in America um, and, and probably have actually been a useful player uh, as an evaluator. Uh, I, I, you know, I learned my hard knocks on like guys like Dorsus Polina and Adam Abreu and those, you know, high ceiling mm. guys who are just all tools, no production. So I think like in terms of the upper minors, I always joke about court Phelps, but that's probably the guy. I mean, I was always like, you can trade Jason Kipnis because you have court Phelps. And I, I really should go back in now that I'd use different stats and look and see if I was even remotely right on that. But Cord Phelps is always kind of the guy that comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, for me, I, if we want to go back to before I was really watching, I mean, I was following prospects, but I wasn't obviously going to my league games like all the time. Uh, I mean, I, I for sure thought Jeremy Sowers was a future Cy Young winner. I was definitely all yeah. aboard the Jeremy Sowers. I was with you with that, that one. 
Yeah, I yeah. thought for sure he was going to be good. Uh, R.I.P. to Andy Marte, but I I thought I thought Andy Marte was the thirty home run hitter at third base that that team needed in the early uh, the late two thousands or whenever. I thought that was the guy um, they really needed. Uh, as far as more recent prospects go, when I've been going to games, uh, I think I mentioned before there was a pitcher named Mason Radicky who pitched for the Captains who. Uh, was a little bit older and they were in low A at the time. And he struck out like, I don't know, 110 batters and like a hundred and innings or whatever it was. He, he was great in low A. I think he got hurt, but I really thought he was going to be something. Wasn't a thing. Um, trying to think hitter wise. I mean, I, I believed in LeVon Washington, but he was consistently hurt. I think if he was healthy, he would have been just fine. I had a prospect crush on this guy named Adam Davis. I don't know if you remember him. Don't know I don't. why I thought he was going to be good. Yeah, he was not good. I thought he was going to be. They converted him to catcher, and I thought oh, this would be good. And you don't know what? I was also a big Tony Walters guy too. Tony Walters, I thought was going to have. I mean, I don't know. He didn't have a bad career, but he didn't have the kind of career I thought he was was going to for sure. So I think just looking at my list, going back to 2015, because oh, Mitch Brown, him, Mitch Brown. Sorry, I started keeping him virtually. I think the only guy who at least didn't get a cup of coffee in the majors looking at my list. Which is, I think it's a good thing to say this. It's like every guy who I've ranked in the Guardians top 10 since um, since 2015 has made it to the big leagues except for Juan Hillman. Oh, yeah. Juan Hillman. I do remember that. It's the one guy who never made it. But everyone else is at least uh, – well, and Brady Aiken. Let me, let me add that. Yeah, of course, Brady Aiken. But those are the two guys that uh, uh, everyone else who I ranked as a top 10 guy has made it. As a matter of fact – Top 11, uh, the only guy I would add in who hasn't made it is Lenny Torres. So I, I've been pretty consistent. Yeah. Yeah, that's been pretty good. And I think we can have a longer conversation, too, yeah. about what is a failed prospect. Because to me, if a guy makes the majors, that's a that's that's a success yeah. no matter what. And you got to go on impact after that. Like, obviously, you don't want your your impact of like a like Todd Naquin, not a failed prospect. I know he wasn't like great, but not a failed no. prospect because he made One of the five best outfielders they've drafted and developed since Manny Ramirez. Right. Was he disappointing as a major leaguer? Sure, as a first rounder, yes, but he wasn't a failed prospect. So there's a lot of nuance yeah. to that conversation and, that we could have on another show. Out of time, I, I'm going to throw some nuance onto that actually when we come back. Oh, I, I want to do one more nuance piece, but I'm going to cut us here so we don't get in trouble. Uh, I want to thank you all for listening, rating, reviewing, downloading. It all helps. Do your part to help our little show grow and grow. Um, you know, we, we want to go to YouTube to catch the rest of this. Uh, we appreciate everyone who is taking part. You know, someone I don't think I've mentioned in the everydayers is going through comments today is uh, Justin Nelson is, is another one of those people. Great and, name. And uh, Mark uh, Leffel. Leffel. And then uh, Leffel, who, uh, who uh, you, your question's coming up in the video point. And then I messed up. It's uh, it's Fagan, not Fager uh, for John, I believe is his first name, who always comments, always is there. I knew a John Fager, and now I know John Fagan. So. Uh, thank you all for listening again and go, go guardians, go, please beat the angels. Please beat a lefty for the love of all things baseball.